Blog Talk Radio. Time now, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, you know. There is only one thing hockey fans should be listening to. This podcast. You are listening to the Isles Beat Podcast with your host, B.D. Galoff and John Jordan. Prepare for your mind to be blown. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. That's right. You picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue. This is BD. I'm on with John Jordan, and you're on listening to Isles Beat. As um, I am the, uh, the walking wounded, uh, just uh, came back from the doctor and found out I have bronchitis again. It was like last year I had the same same crap. So anyway, so we are uh, working through it. I didn't even get to tell John about that, and uh, we'll go through some stuff. Um, well, we'll listen, about- hold on. Before before we get moving here, first of all, I'm sorry to hear you're under the weather. And second of all, I'm no quitter. And uh, may, maybe you quit sniffing glue, but I am not willing to commit to that yet. <laughs> well, you you just keep on sniffing it. So, <laughs> and, uh, it, smells, it smells so good, though. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like, uh, it's about, it's like complaining about Barclay Center. You just can't stop. The... Uh, We'll talk about this week uh, where um, some are trying to create a goalie controversy. Um, I've seen a couple of podcasts and a couple of blogs on it. Uh, I'll be the first to say there is no goalie controversy, which is what I said on Twitter. Um, and we'll go into uh, particulars on that and, uh, and what you'll end up finding out. And they will, you will see if not this next game then the game after lock right back in there. So we'll, uh, we'll talk about why. And, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, how there's been a rising team in February. And if you've been following along the last couple of weeks, uh, what we've been talking about is uh, that possession has been rising. As long as possession is rising, you're going to see the, the offense, get more opportunities when the offense gets more opportunities they get more scoring chances when they get more scoring chances they tally and lo and behold not perfect but you know uh february they have a five and three record and uh i think jt since the beginning of february has 12 points so you know those things are very tied together um that offense and that uh top line and uh you know the the possession game keep on rising we're seeing good things. So it's nice to see what we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, keep on kind of chugging along. What do you think, John? I'm going in uh, shorter segments than you are lately. I'm liking the fact that there's four wins in five games, despite an effort against Carolina that left a lot to be desired. I, and I like the fact that we can hone in on John Tavares. I know, uh, I know enough to know not to put too much on any one player, but we all know that John Tavares goes so 
talked about that last week. Um, but of but the last week was you know what three games ago, and he's got five more points to speak of since then. Um, uh, he's already uh, February right now is already his most productive month of the season, um, and they've only played eight games. So uh, <laughs> I think you know I think that uh, when you look at it that way, you see things trending in the right direction. Is all wonderful and rosy in Islanderland? No, of course not. We wouldn't have a show if it were. But uh, I think things are heading in the right direction. And, you know, we'll see what next game brings, I suppose. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the thing about JT is, and this is true of elite players, you know, if your main guy is getting the puck, um, you know, elite players bring up the rest of the line. So all of a sudden, JT starts to tally, all the players around him start to tally, everything is all connected. So, you know, if once their possession and, uh, you know, the defense and uh, they're being able to keep the puck in the offensive zone, um, you know, whether it's JT or whether it's his line mates, they're able to make something happen. And that's what's been so important. You've seen Strom scoring a bunch. Um, you've seen Grabowski uh, being able to tally. You know, and uh, everything's tied together and they've been able to ride that. And uh, the play has been better you know obviously you need a lot of things with health um and uh you know i know that the dahan just went down and uh though staple says that it doesn't feel like it's he doesn't feel like it's going to be long term uh you know it's it's note of concern um you know we'll see you know uh, uh people are acting like dahan has been injured like this season uh obviously he didn't have the greatest of AHL time with lots of injuries, but he's played every game this year. So, you know, Knockwood, hopefully he'll be, uh, he's been very, very important part of the Islanders' success this season. Yeah, and being up over that 20 minute mark uh, and being as effective as he has all season, obviously. Um, with other injuries here or there, you know, Boychuk's been down, Hamannick's been down. Uh, you've got the older, the older fella, your boy Zilichki, uh, who who will come and go, and uh, the wonder, the wonderkind himself, Brian Strait, in and out of the lineup. We want to make sure we're mitigating that as much as possible. Um, but uh, yeah, if, if the the signs are positive around uh, Calvin DeHaan in the short term, um, then that that's obviously a benefit to the whole team. You know, one, what one time one player like that, that's had such an impact so far this season gets pulled out and that kind of changes everything. And when things seem to be trending upward, obviously you want to, uh, you know, hope that that's as, uh, as short lived as possible. Um, I feel like the, uh, the, the game on Monday, the uh, matinee against Detroit was a nice rebound effort um, in comparison to the uh, Saturday's loss to Carolina, obviously. Uh, especially since um, Detroit had handled the Islanders uh, recently, earlier this month and then late in late January. Uh, so it's nice to see them turn that around there. And also, you know, uh, I think there's been a little bit too much uh, two steps forward, two steps back with the Isles this year, and that's why people can't seem to be happy, myself included. Um, so when you see a, a three-game win streak as they had um, coming out of the All-Star break, uh, uh, halted 
um, to get right back on the winning side of things is, is nice to see um, because, you know, win three and then lose two, not just, not just lose three or four in a row, but even to lose two after that kind of stifles your momentum. And they're trying to, obviously right now it's about building momentum and, and, and finding the chemistry and uh, the, uh, uh, the flow, uh, the gelling, so to speak that maybe they haven't had in the early going this year as the season winds down as we head toward the playoffs. Uh, the timing is good, is, is my long-winded way of getting at that. Trade deadline is not too far away. Like we said last week, probably not a whole lot going to be happening, but uh, any sort of slide might change that type of thing. Um, getting hot right now with, uh, I think I believe, what, two weeks from tonight? Is that correct? Uh, I think we're 12 days coming up. You know, I don't do math. 17 <laughs> plus 14 is, well, I don't know. But, um, you know, a, a, a nice win streak right now, some serious momentum, and uh, you never know. Maybe that'll change things in a positive nature as far as the trade deadline goes. We told you guys, we told everybody last week not to uh, expect too much. Uh, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with uh, getting hot right now either. No, and, and and especially after last season. Last season, we can all talk about that the Islanders weren't able, able to match last year's start. Um, what you didn't want to see, okay, they didn't match that start, and that's fine. What you didn't want to see is the second half of uh, last season where they just fell apart. And so far, so good. We saw a lot of the indications and indicators in a good place before the break, despite some injuries that were uh, going to note some concern. Um, and those uh, factors that we cited all continue to rise. And lo and behold, they've come uh, from the All-Star break on a, on a winning note, and things are continuing to, to do well. Um, we, we can uh, nitpick and say Halak hasn't looked particularly good, um, and uh, we'll go into that in a, in a moment. Um, but, uh, you know, a couple bad starts aside, um, we've seen his, historically from him, him his ability to continue on and, uh, and was pretty good in the playoffs last year. So I think that uh, you all, they're doing exactly what you would hope, you know, yes, they didn't match the, the start of last season. So be it. But what has been far more important is to go into the second half much stronger than they did last year. And for all their, you know, you know, three steps forward, a step back, two steps back, three steps forward that's gone on this season. Um, overall, it is much, much more important to see how they progress and put together their game into the, into the playoffs. So this, this stretch is really key. And uh, especially after last year's, uh, you know, it's kind of backing in. So we don't want to see that. And uh, you definitely want to see things continue. And, you know, to, to kind of play off that, that rise, we can talk about, you know, a couple of the stats where the, you know, let's talk about where the Isles are in the East. They're sixth in the East. They're 10th overall in the NHL. They're sixth in the NHL in the goal, for goals for and the 12th for goals against. Their power play is actually rising and is actually at 11. And it's been rising for a little bit now. Uh, the PK is steady at uh, number two overall once again, and they're only point one away from first. The PK has been consistent, and the and the more importantly, the power play has actually been rising. So these are all everything is all connected: possession, 
their ability to score, create scoring chances. And lo and behold, when that all works, suddenly the power play starts to work. It's amazing how that all fits together. They're ninth overall in shots, and uh, they've actually raised a bit in uh, their faceoff wins to 11th overall. For a while, they were dropping. So, I mean, in the scheme of things, this is uh, they're they're in a good position for this this run uh, to the playoffs, and to put themselves in a good position. Are they world beaters? Are they the top four? No, and I think that's been pretty clear. But they're also not somebody who's, you know, on the outside looking in. So I think that we, we the indicators and the, and the things that we've kind of been pointing to are all in place and everything is kind of being seen. And I think we can all see it. So it's just a matter of it being consistent and for it to keep going. Yeah, these weirdo standings that we have now, though, even though they are in a good position, kind of put them in a spot where any sort of little bit of a downturn can put that playoff spot in jeopardy. But let's be positive, shall we? That's been my focus of late. I don't think anybody's <laughs> going to look at uh, the 20-point gap between the Islanders and the Capitals and say that that's going to be made up in the final 27 games of the season. Uh, but I think finishing second in the Metropolitan Division is not at all out of the question. Um, you know, and that would come with the added bonus of finishing ahead of the Rangers in the standings, which I think we could all have a little mini parade about anytime that happens. Uh, but, you know, and that would, I think the the thing to focus on there is that, okay, Washington's been fantastic, right? Uh, tops in the league, 41, 10, and four. That's a remarkable record. Nothing to to sneeze at by any means, but isn't going into the playoffs all about, capturing momentum at the right time, going in hot, not too soon. I think some people um, certainly accuse the Islanders of possibly doing that last year. I think we saw some of that, if you're just going to be honest about it. So uh, in the final 27 games here, and if we want to break it down methodically, like you've done such a good job at all year long, that's uh, three nine-game segments. We can we can play that math if you want um, and see how that goes. But um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, potential here in the final, you know, uh, in this in the in the home stretch in the last uh, what, what's remaining of the regular season schedule. So, I think in this uh, in the last four or five games since the All Star break, we've seen a, a swing in the right direction despite some adversity. Uh, that setback against Carolina, an injury here or there, and uh, a questionable effort, in my opinion, against Columbus, which we put to bed last week, but um, which resulted in a win nonetheless. Um, I think, you know, things are kind of trending in the right direction. And I think, uh, you know, wrapping up uh, tomorrow and Friday, actually, to me, is a big swing. You know, back-to-back games, a lot of opportunity there, Um, uh, especially when you consider the fact that, you know, Washington is on tap tomorrow night, could be a real confidence builder. And then you got to play real hard against the letdown in New Jersey on Friday. Um, But two divisional opponents and and lots to uh, to be gained on the table, I think, three points should be the target over the course of the next two games. Yeah. And and that's why you're going to see Halak back in there. Um, I don't know if you'll see him versus Washington. They might go with the hot hand, uh, but you'll definitely see Halak and that's at least in that next game. Um, and, and that brings us to, you know, a little bit of the comparison between uh, Grice and Halak. If we look at where they are in, in goals uh, against average, Grice is number six in the NHL. Halak is 20th. 
Obviously, Halak has dropped a little bit um, within the last uh, couple weeks and hasn't been uh, as consistent. Um, same thing with save percentage. Grice is number two in the NHL. Block is 30th. So everybody's assuming, of course, well, Grice is the number one goaltender. No. And let me tell you why. Because Grice's minutes and his strength is in limited minutes. He is not somebody, and we've, I, if you remember, when Grice started to falter was when he was getting lots of starts, I would say about a month or two ago. And then eh, maybe about a month, month and a half ago, where you saw, you started to see him more and more. And all of a sudden he looked more human. And then all of a sudden he wasn't winning the close games. That's the thing. And, and this happens. Um, um, I've noticed that the analytic bloggers make these mistake all the time. They make a typical mistake of assuming performance by saying X minutes to the same performance. If they added more time. And, and that's just not true. For example, bloggers and over the years kept on, you know, these analytics heads kept on saying, oh, Grabner, if, he play, if he's getting these numbers in 12 minutes a game, this would translate if, to 18 minutes a game. And that's not true either. And that's the thing. The, the, it doesn't tell the entire story. And, and the same goes with goalies and games played. And, and, the, and the full story here is there's really no goalie controversy. Halak needs to play better, and history suggests he will. You know, he's, he's played the long seasons before. He'll get it uh, back to his level. And the Islanders aren't changing it up. They're not going to ride Greece as the, uh, a Grice as the hot hand. When they're going to play the hot hand is when it matters, the playoffs. Until then, the Islanders' mission is to keep both goalies fresh. That is the mission. And everybody who says it's different is wrong. There is no goalie controversy. Halak is the number one. Grice is the number two. The hot hand will matter when we're in the playoffs. So don't, don't buy into this goalie controversy. It's a big heaping load of bullshit. And the problem is... No one takes a look at the scheme of things. No one looks at Grice's limited numbers. Never play, played this much, ever. And it, it, like I said, the more he gets starts, the more human he becomes. He is a fabulous, fabulous backup goaltender and really being put into the, into the uh, scheme of things to keep him and Halak fresh. And that's the whole point. And uh, may, might be the reason that they also have a Bruby as a, as a third option. The key is keeping the goaltenders fresh for when it matters. And that is why there is no goalie controversy. And lo and behold, you will see this in the next couple games. Doesn't everybody always talk about, you know, I've been mentioning how momentum is important, get moving toward the playoffs as the longer the season goes on. But doesn't everybody always talk about the key one of the keys to a, a good team, a contending team being to have more than one quality goaltender. And doesn't a huge part of that have to do with having a well-rested and not overworked goaltender. And don't you think the Islanders with 30 games played for Halak and 25 for Grice and Grice's uh, exceptional record versus Halak's who at first glance or which at first glance is uh, a little off-putting, even though the numbers 
tell you differently if you look deeper into it. Doesn't that tell you that they're in pretty good shape as far as that goes with the playoffs really just around the corner? I think it does. Uh, I think I think that that's something to focus on um, as the season wears on. I think that if they're lucky enough to get into a position to get a favorable matchup in the first round, they have every reason to believe that they can win that matchup because the goaltending is so much about playoffs. And no matter who the hot hand is there, uh, or 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 you know whether Grice's play has enabled Halak to be more rested than he would have been in years past, I think that's a positive in uh, the Islanders' favor. Think about uh, a couple of seasons ago when everybody you know was so high on Evgeny Nabokov going into the playoffs, and then uh, you know he, he looked like crap against Pittsburgh, and everybody pretty much seemed to say like, hey, you know if we would have got a lick of goaltending, that that series could have been much different. Well, yeah, it could have, but he also probably played way too much. They're in a completely different situation now. Um, I think that is something to to look at as we move forward, and I think it's a an outstanding situation to be in. Oh yeah, and 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 that's the the thing. The Islanders, if you want some idea of how focused they are in the playoffs, everything they're doing, and and this goes for Ryan Pollock, who we talked about last week, who's been groomed and being uh, well, you know. I saw the piece from, uh, you know, some of the writers, mainstream writers now all of a sudden realizing uh, there was a, you know, a method to the Islanders madness of not letting Ryan Pullock come up that during that time he was, you know, being more well-rounded and they were working on all those different areas as if it was key to get him in when it mattered later. And all of a sudden, people are starting to wake up to this fact. And and the same goes for the Islanders' philosophy with the goalies. It's it's clear as day that they are focused on that playoffs and making sure that they have rested goalies. Uh, that you know, um, as you know, and then then they'll write. You know, if if Halak falters, then you know that in that playoff round, uh, Grice can at least carry the load for the for the for the round. Um, that's an advantage that the Islanders haven't had in a very long time. You know, goalie tandems and, and fresh goaltenders and uh, ride, riding the hot hand is is key. And the Islanders all of a sudden will have that option. And that's that's all well and good. So it's all the all the things are in place. The rising possession, the goalies uh, still being in tandem and making sure. You know, obviously we still. You know, or will always be uh, uh, at stake of health. You hope Halak stays healthy. You hope Grice stays healthy. Um, you hope that uh, everybody stays healthy for this for this run. But uh, at least there's some methodology to the madness that everybody sits there and complains. But yet, as we're starting into this stretch, the Islanders never seem to panic, and all of a sudden we're seeing perhaps why they haven't panicked and why they have this long-term vision and, and put their, you know, things in place and uh, go for it. Yeah. I think I'd like to see that, that rotation continue to play out ideally in the, you know, for the, for the remainder of the regular season. Uh, And then, you know, have people talk about who's, who's the better goaltender to ride. Uh, Most notably, whoever the opponent might be in the first round of the playoffs, wouldn't that be, a nice card to be able to play. Oh, gee, and pretend play stupid. Hey, we don't know who we're going to play. Uh, the, the coach 
I mean, I don't know if he's that cerebral, but uh, can uh, can 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 tell the media. You know, we're not quite sure who our starter is. We're not going to name one yet. Well, they'll throw another wrinkle into that. That's the, the <laughs> tactical you maybe maybe picked up on the, the lack of uh of uh, aptitude perhaps there that I that I referenced but now nah, he knows the game he's, he's he's got to know that a little bit it's just you know it's a small thing but it's another thing to play and another angle to think about as far as the goaltenders when you think about it that way yeah now it does give them it gives them options and lets them play coy as they do with injuries um it it gives them another thing to you know for the team to have to prepare for which goaltender do you get um, I think nobody's going to be fooled if there's a hot hand. I think they're going to know if um, if Grice is, is, has the hot hand and Halak doesn't look too good going into the playoffs, chances are they're going to ride, especially if uh, Grice plays strong, they'll ride him. So I don't know if it, you know, I guess it's all depending on how even they are and how much, you know, how ready they'll be. So, but. It's another it's another thing, and uh, you know it's a, a thing in place. And, you know, look, the Capitals are a really strong team. They're going to make a trade deadline deal that's going to go for it. I'm I'm sure of it, and everybody's going to be up in arms, like for some reason that the Islanders are in the same position, which they're not, um, and act like Washington all of a sudden just invented all this and they didn't spend five six years toiling and making mistakes. You know, the thing that they're not allowing the Islanders to do um, to, to be, you know, you know, that Capitals were on the doorstep and not being able to get out of the first round of the playoffs for a couple of years now. And all of a sudden got, you know, made coaching change, made GM change, made coaching change and made philosophy change. Um, some people who don't believe in the Islanders philosophy or some of the aspects of the team will jump the gun and say, well, the Islanders are in the same way. Let time take place. Let's see what they we have this season. It's a big difference between being the doormat in the playoffs five to six years running and the Islanders who just went in there one year and then, you know, didn't get for past the first round. Let let the chips fall where they may, but at least the team looks like it's gonna get there. Now it's it's key in this run for everything to continue. And to, to do it, but I think they're capable. Maybe you know, uh, the matchup versus the Caps. I'm sure scares would scare anybody. They really shouldn't be in eighth place. Um, so you know, as long as they're capable of knocking, you know, taking out anybody else that they meet in the in the playoffs, at least in that first round, or at least feasibly. Oh, I would think so. I mean, it's not. Uh... I don't think Washington doesn't scare me by any means. Their their regular season record is very impressive, like I said. But uh, you know, they, are they are they flawless? Absolutely not. Could a thousand different things happen between now and then? Sure. So um, you know, nothing's off the table. But you know, again, just to 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 look at the flip side of things, sixty six points right now in the cut line. I think is sixty four. You know, nothing's for certain yet. Um, I don't want to etch anything in stone, um, but uh, you know they look to be in good shape. I, I think that you know things should continue to trend upward. Um, uh, I would love to see uh, an Islanders Rangers first round matchup, but I think we're getting a little bit of ahead of, ahead of ourselves there. I don't know if my uh, temperament can take that or my blood pressure, but 
you know, that's another possibility there. Look, let's uh, we're, we're all over the place. We're, we're we're kind of thinking about potential playoff matchups and things like that. Uh, just focusing on the the recent uh, upward swing in terms of you know putting together a handful of wins here in, in February and, and and looking like they're they're starting to get it together. I, I look at you know the the months of the month of March as a major major key. Um, you know, April is what a half month, if that, as far as the regular season goes. And by the end of March, most of the time, a lot of things are settled and you're looking at seating and things like that. The Isles have had their difficulty in terms of wrapping things up, most notably last year uh, with the home ice situation and stuff like that. So there are five games left in February, right? Four of them are on the road. Okay. So tomorrow that game against Washington is, is, is incredibly important in my opinion. Um, from a comfort, a confidence perspective. Uh, in fact, the remaining four games in February are just the beginning of a seven game road trip, which, you know, the last one is against the Rangers. So yeah, it's not at home, but it's close. Uh, but that's, that's, a, that's a, a stretch that is key. Uh, so I think getting a, getting a win tomorrow night is huge. Uh, confidence builder, maybe like you said, getting, getting the back in there and, uh, you know, getting him, uh, Two points uh, that he can that he can rest on and uh, feel feel good about his game moving forward. But um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to overstate the importance of what in the end amounts to be just another regular season game. But to me, I look at that and that's a that's a real key. I mean, you want to establish um, you know uh, momentum and 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 confidence and not take a step back again and. And get yourselves, uh, you know, of the mindset that you can beat that team in the event that you do face them in the playoffs, not just because of last year's history, but also because they're the top dog right now. Yeah, and especially, you know, the interesting thing with the Caps, which I was going to mention before, is if you look at, and if you're analytics savvy, if you look at PDO, PDO means puck luck. And teams with high PDO tend to have it correct itself. For example, in the beginning of the season, the Rangers went on a a great run. Problem was, is they had a very high PDO. And the thing about PDO is it corrects itself. The team will end up being back at its average. What does that mean when you're on a run like that? All of a sudden, the bottom drops out. They don't get the puck luck that came before. And all of a sudden, they drop. And drop they did. Um, same happened with, uh, you know, obviously Montreal, they'll point to the goaltender. They also had a very high PDO for a very long time. And then all of a sudden, two bottoms dropped out, one the goalie and two the puck luck. Um, Florida went on a run and had some mixed results after because PDO doesn't stay the same. Washington has a pretty high PDO right now, and eventually that will correct itself. It would be nice if it happens to correct itself, stuttering right into the playoffs, which, you know, throws you off, you know, doesn't matter to the you know the islanders are not going to catch them even if the if capitals went at 500 there's no way that they're going to be able to catch up but you want to see you know a little uh you know you don't want them kind of um basically swaggering in. you want them staggering in kind of what the islanders did last year so that would be nice but uh if if you ever look up analytics and look at pdo and look at those teams on such a run if you look at their PDO and it looks it's over well over a hundred, be assured that it's going to correct itself eventually. 
Yeah, I would love to kind of flip the script and, uh, you know, have the Islanders head into the playoffs with a four or five game win streak or something like that, uh, or a, a longer stretch with 10 of the last 12 or something of that nature, as opposed to stumbling in like they did last year and really then trying to find their game. Uh, PDO, PDQ, uh, <laughs> DNA, I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah, something like that, ABC, uh, whatever it is. All I know is uh, at the end of the day, you, you want the two points in the W, right? Are we in the same ballpark there? Is that sort of the oh, same yeah. type of thing? I don't know. Correct, because all the analytics yeah. does, the end game is why they win or why they lose. And uh, and here I remain, not not so much caring about the why as long as it happens. And having said that, I did just rail on last week on the Columbus game, but you know, a win is a win, I guess. At the end of the day, I don't know. <laughs> hey, yeah, not to throw an unknown out there, but we didn't discuss this beforehand. But I didn't I did notice uh, a blurb, uh, and I don't have it pulled up, so I'm going to paraphrase. But it was a Larry Brooks piece in the Post about uh, uh, something along the lines of uh, Brooklyn annoyed John Tavares and how he could make sense for Toronto in 2018. Being down here in Tampa, you know, I, I've gotten my fill of the Steven Stamkos stuff. And anyway, the long and the short of it is that Brooksy seems to have opined that maybe uh, Toronto's recent maneuvers weren't so much for Steven Stamkos this coming summer, but possibly for another one of Toronto's uh, most cherished native sons or the Ontario area anyway uh, in our very own John Tavares can we uh, do two things here and uh, tell people not to pay uh, any attention to that and also to uh, ignore the uh, purported annoyance at the Brooklyn situation that Mr. Brooks put out there or should we uh, pay attention to this situation yeah well it's it's based on no fact whatsoever and that's problem that's the problem with Larry Brooks and the New York Post and um and I, I do see a couple bloggers going in that direction, which I really hope that they don't. Um, you can make ludicrous statements because you think you know something, but if you don't bother to ask, what really have you done? And all Larry Brooks did was do a troll job. He did a troll job to stir up Islander fans while ignoring the fact that the Rangers are sucking up the joint at the time or had a bad loss. And it's a convenient thing to do to kind of appease, you know, the audience. But what truth are you really finding? Because if you're not in journalism and to write about something uh, truthful and try to find the information or the, or the, the, the reality that, that's there, why are you in it at all? And that's, that's what I never come to grips with Larry Brooks. Um, you know, so he'll have some stuff on the Rangers that'll be insightful. And from time to time, he might have some things on the Islanders when he actually speaks to somebody. Um, the, the problem is with that one, that was just a, a, a gutter troll job. Um, inaccurate. Has nothing. What Toronto is doing is not. Look, the, the amazing thing about Lou Lamorello going to Toronto, which really for a while really confused me because they were going to put it to the guy that was doing the analytics. And I think they still are what Lou Lamorello is doing. And I think what Brendan Shanahan talked him into doing is cleaning up the fucking mess there. They made such a mess of contracts and getting things cleared out so that the next guy can do his job 
that that's what I think Lou is there to do to spend a year or two just moving money, getting rid of crap and moving it off like, uh, you know, the uh, FNUF and any Islander fan who thought that the Islanders would ever have any interest of a of glorified pylon uh, was fooling themselves. Uh, FNUF, it, the, Toronto getting rid of that money and that contract was a win, win, win. And Lou is really doing an amazing job up there cleaning out and I think really setting up for the next uh, regime that's going to be really, it's all analytic based. And look, Toronto wants anyone, an elite, you know, Toronto lacks elite players. And when you look at JT, you look at Stamkos, you look at Sidney Crosby, you look at uh, Ovechkin, they are elite players that make people around them better. Uh, Tars, uh, Tarsenko over in uh, uh, St. Louis is a new one. Um, they're elite players that make everybody on the line play really well. And that's what Toronto is looking for. They're not looking for JT. They're looking for an elite player that can take them anywhere, whenever. They can't afford two. If you look, and they're already talking about the, ce- uh, the cap ceiling actually dropping. Pay, contracts really, really matter. There, nobody's loading up on, on multiple elite players. Toronto's just looking for one. Their best chance is Stamkos. Obviously, Tampa Bay is doing their best to re-sign. And, you know, I, I don't see how they can do it without blowing up the team. But whatever. Um, but Toronto is going to remain in there looking for that. Now, look, with JT, the Islanders are going to – they will pay JT – what he wants to be paid and don't buy into this commute crap. People who work on Long Island commute every day. (laughs) People who work, uh, play for other teams commute all the time. Don't let morons like Larry Brooks act like this commute is like the biggest thing in the world. It's not. And the more you make decisions and make narratives out of fear. And I understand from an you know from a fan standpoint, most fans are already unhappy with the you know the changes with Brooklyn and all this other stuff that you know the barn is gone and all this other stuff and uh you know and a little bit of the you know the last season not being mirrored. Um I, I get it and I understand where the vulnerability there to lose what is a great player. But, but that's how this fits, that's no how this fits right into it. That's how uh, that's sorry, how this ahead. fits right in. Just just like you're always saying, that's how this the timing of this piece by Brooks fits right into that. It's what you're always saying. It fits the narrative, right? It's, yeah. It's it's it's, it's taking up. advantage yep. of the of the, the the rawness of it all at a time when there wasn't much else to write about, right? Uh, you know, and and, it, and if you think about it like that, it works perfectly. It it, it suited his needs and it suited the agenda at the time. That's not to say that it's like the stupidest thing we've ever heard. I mean, it's not, I've heard some dumb things for sure. Uh, But there's no need for, and I think it's why I didn't get that much of a reaction. I mean, there's in small circles. Yeah, sure. But I think uh, most people have come to kind of look at things for what they are. As far as that goes, you're talking two years out from now, right? Potentially if any of this had any, any truth to it whatsoever, 
um, you know, this is the perfect year with the Islanders in transition and, and some, some unresolved issues there and, and the rawness of that wound for most people to write that story. Oh, yeah. And, and also because Ranger fans would love to hear it, too. Um, you know, just because it's an interesting, oh, they might lose their star player. Oh, Toronto, you know, how, you know, if this is true, you know, Toronto could be waiting in the wings. Toronto's waiting in the wings for anything right now because they lack, because they haven't been able to draft an elite player. Um, you know, and, and after years and years of toil, um, and that, that's an opportunity lost. Um, so it's not easy to do that. So to get that, they're going to have to go out and pay it. And once they do, they're going to be committed to that player. And the most interesting thing with Stamkos, as I, you know, if you followed along on Twitter, I, I cited some numbers ever since he had hurt himself. Uh, there oh, were yeah. definitely differences of levels. And yes, you can argue about the players that he's on the line with. But the fact is when the lead player also makes some of those line mates better too, there's a, there's a give and a take here, but I did as if I was a GM and I was making a signing and a long-term signing like that and had the, the Tampa Bay situation looking at those differences of the numbers that would concern me. What about you, John? Oh, I mean, I, I've been obviously monitoring that situation for, for quite some time now and having uh, been a part of, um, uh, you know, from a coverage standpoint, Steven Stamkos' career for the first four seasons um, that he played in the league, uh, there is a huge difference. Uh, and it, and it, does, it does go uh, directly to that injury, but it also goes to um, the fact that you know that was John Cooper's first full season as head coach uh, a change in system there uh, and also you know uh, the continued influence of Steve Eiserman I think sometimes people forget that Steve Eiserman was an offensive dynamo uh, for the Detroit Red Wings uh, in his career and uh, the, you know the, the the story that's often been told is how he you know transformed his game and became more of a two-way player as his career wore on. The numbers back all that up. Uh, I think that there was, I, I recall firsthand, there being some talk of that for Steven Stamkos uh, early on when Steve Eisenman took over uh, here in Tampa. And while that's not necessarily a bad thing, um, the fact that that was, was kind of an influence in the background, and then also the major, let's not discount it, it was a major leg injury. That broken leg was no joke. Uh, things he has not been the same player since then. And again, the numbers back that up. Uh, different era, different times. We're talking inflated numbers back in Eiserman's day. We're talking, you know, and, uh, you know, the 60 goals that, that Stamco scored in 2011-12 um, stand out as like, you know, an aberration these days with, with, with scoring being down overall relatively and whatnot. But um, in any event, uh, he is a different player. Uh, but but as far as the contract situation goes, I have said on this show and uh, in private circles, and, you know, whatever, I just don't see how the recent statements by Eiserman notwithstanding, I don't see how uh, they retain him here uh, without a drastic shift for that franchise. You're talking names like Victor Hedman in the future. You're talking names like Ben Bishop. You're talking uh, the triplets. You're talking all these key players that are all uh, about the same age, 
Um, and not to mention guys like Ryan Callahan who have inflated contracts and, and stuff like that. Uh, it, it, the Tampa Bay Lightning are, are absolutely in a win now or bust uh, situation because the team is not going to be the same moving forward, no matter how this shakes out. Um, I disagree with another thing that Larry Brooks put in that recent article, which did uh, that he uh, he led with among all of the hypotheticals. I find the notion of Steven Stamkos wearing the Maple Leafs crest next season among the least plausible. I mean, it's a bullshit sentence. It's you can you can put your opinion out there, which I don't believe that, that, that that's what that is. I believe that's just you know uh, a phrase to fit the narrative, as you often say. Uh, just to write something, to put it out there for the sake of putting it out there, because it's actually very plausible that Stephen Stamp goes to Toronto next year. Uh, and I think it's more plausible that he's there than he is here in Tampa. And I think there's probably several other teams that you could put in between first, uh, whoever finishes first in that sweepstakes, so to speak, uh, and whoever, uh, you know, uh, doesn't end up with the player. Um it's going to be uh, – it might not be anything to monitor for the trade deadline now that uh, Eiserman's come out there and said what he said in terms of Stamkos won't be traded. Um, but, again, I think that's going to change the landscape of the team here in my neck of the woods. I think it's going to set the stage for free agency for the foreseeable future as far as landmark contracts go. And, uh, you know, I think it's uh, – kind of uncharted territory especially when you go back to the fact that you know steven stamkos is steven stamkos but he's not the steven stamkos that he was before he had that leg injury yeah well and that's the most interesting thing it's you know it's not like tampa doesn't have a lot of talent so you know the um, it's a really a tough a tough situation and it's why it's i guess it's a ca- another example of a cautionary tale of being kind of smashed against the cap and trying to re-sign your your best player, which is something that the Islanders will not do when they want to re-sign JT. And people complain, though, they didn't go out and get these free agents and go do this and go spend that and let's just get a player now. But isn't this Tampa's situation a shining example of why the Islanders won't do that? And isn't me, that also... You know, isn't yeah. that isn't that also why they we've talked time and time again about how careful they've been with free agents, how careful how carefully they have to play situations like um, the Kyle Oposo card and uh, Franz Nielsen and and you know other expiring contracts that we have coming up. I mean that that's all part of the long term plan, right? Is prepping for John Tavares in 2018. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, and the fact is. that that should never become an issue. And everybody who wants that immediate gratification, well, go take a very close look to Tampa Bay because that is the consequence. That is the consequence of re-signing players at higher prices, of not letting players walk. You know, and uh, you know, not necessarily Tampa because I don't know about their fourth line. Not overpaying for fourth line expendable players, which is something that you will see happen this summer, uh, where I don't think the Islanders are going to necessarily re-sign Matt Martin. Fact is, teams need to make tough decisions and prepare for that long term. And the fans are not always in line with that long term because the fan is all about that immediate gratification. You want the team to win. And sometimes 
fandom and logic don't tie together, but it seems to be a very, very strong logic and planning that's going on from, from Garth Snow and why he's not going anywhere and why the new ownership that take over are going to, um, you know, be behind him and, uh, to, and, and, you know, in, in the plan, in the plan. And I think that that's why that, uh, you know, that there's, there's some things to it that make a lot of sense. And you look at teams like Tampa Bay and it's just a shining example of that. So anyway, we're, we're talking enough about that crap. And I know that we're, uh, we're quickly, uh, <laughs> we're quickly running out of time here, but I think, uh, I think we've talked enough about the, uh, the Islanders rise and we'll, we'll continue next week to see how they're doing and, and, uh, and, uh, see how Halak is, uh, shaken off his play. What do you think, John? Is it time to wrap? I think it may be. I think uh, I think we've got a big game tomorrow, and we all need as much rest as we possibly can. I expect your best game of the season, sir, first and foremost, uh, <laughs> all night long, a full 60-minute effort, nothing less. Well, of course. But on that note, I think that the, uh, the walking wounded that I am, and uh, I think uh, we will wrap up because I think we've run out of stuff to talk about besides that. Um, so until then, thanks for listening. Uh, next week we'll be a little bit more awake and aware and uh, planned out. Hopefully we didn't stink up the joint. Catch you all next week, folks. Adios. Have you ever been in a in a Turkish prison?